Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. And we're uh, continuing our series called Water and Spirit. And today's message is Holy Spirit, my helper, my friend, my guide. Deborah Hoff shares this funny story uh, about her son Ian. She says, my three-year-old son Ian enjoys this, the Bible story about Samuel hearing the voice of God at night. How many of you know the story of Samuel? If you don't, here's the story. Samuel was a little boy who was growing up in the temple of God. And there was a priest there named Eli, an older man who was raising Samuel up in the temple of God, actually at the tabernacle of God. And as he was raising him up, one night, Samuel's laying in bed, I believe he's eight years old at the time, and he hears a voice calling his name. And he runs to Eli the priest and he says, what do you, what do you want, sir? Yes, I, you called me. And he says, no, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. So he goes back to bed and he lays down and he hears this voice again and he runs into Eli and he says, did you call me? And he says, no, go back, go back in there. But listen, if you hear the voice again, say, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And so he went back and he laid down and sure enough, the voice came to him, Samuel. And he said, here, you know, here I am, Lord. And, and God began to speak to him as an eight-year-old boy. So this lady, Deborah, is telling her three-year-old son this story because he loves to hear the story about how God spoke to this boy at night. And he says, one evening after reading the story to Ian, I asked him if God had ever spoken to him. And to my surprise, he said, yes. What did God say to you, I asked. Ian thought a moment and then said in the deepest voice, Ian, go to bed. (laughs) And suddenly she realized that explained why Ian always settled down much more quickly when I was outside of his room telling him, go to bed. You know what I love about that story is it really captures the reality of how the Holy Spirit often uses people. You know, I mean, most of the time He uses people. There are exceptions. He'll give us visions or dreams or He'll speak to us, um, you know, maybe personally while we're praying through Scripture and He'll show us different things. But there are times that He will often use people to speak to us. And we have to be really careful uh, to not miss Him because the package that he's speaking to us in is familiar. You know, familiarity breeds contempt many times. We look at somebody that we know and we're familiar with them and we think, oh, that's just my wife or my husband or my child or my parents and, ah, you know, that, that's not God, that's just them. But many times God will speak to us in ways and through people we never expect. And today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit being our helper, our friend, and our guide. I want to talk about He how He comes into our life and becomes intimately acquainted with us and wants us to become acquainted with Him so that we can walk with Him and learn His voice and He will guide us into the future that God has ordained for us. So I want to take you to a text in John chapter 14 and uh, I'm going to ask you if you would when when it comes up on the screen and we begin to read it, I'm going to ask you to read this Bible text with me. John 14, 16 through 17, to read it out loud with me. And the first point here, if you're taking notes, is that the Holy Spirit is your helper and your friend. Verse 16, 
And I will ask the Father. Will you read this out loud with me? Yeah, go ahead and look at the screen and let's read it out loud together. Here we go. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. Now, I want to go through this text and draw out a number of points and, and have you think about these and how they apply to your own life. So the first one is this, the Father will give you and me another helper. What did Jesus mean by another helper? This is really important. The word another expresses a numerical difference but denotes another of the same sort. Christ promised to send another comforter or another helper, meaning one who is like Himself. So here's the context to the text. Jesus is in His last week. He's gathered His disciples around and He's preparing them for His death. Even though He's told them over and over, I'm going to die they're very clueless to his death. They don't, they don't get it. He's even told them what's going to happen. He's given them specific details that he is going to be betrayed, that he's going to be falsely tried and accused, that he's going to be beaten, that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to be buried, and that after three days he's going to rise from the dead. After telling them this on at least three different occasions, they still don't understand. But he begins to prepare them, and this is what he says. He says, listen, I'm going to die, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you someone that's like me and they're going to live inside of you and be with you. This is going to be a comforter like I've been to you, a counselor, an advocate like I've been to you that's going to come alongside you and be within you. And that takes me to the word helper. Helper is a Greek word, parakletos, and it means to come alongside, to encourage, and to stir on and spur on. It, it's, it's someone that's like a close companion, an intercessor, an advocate, a comforter, a teacher, a helper, one who comes alongside and gives you aid, one who pleads your case and your cause before a judge, one who is your counsel for defense, your advocate. So the idea is this paraclete Parakletos, this comforter, will come alongside and be a companion for you who you can count on to always speak to you what you need to hear, to help you when you feel discouraged, to lead you on into the truth and show you God's plan for your life. And then he says this, he will be with you forever. And I love that language because have you ever noticed that dear friends and lovers always make forever promises. When you're in a moment with a person that you really care for, you, you know, you'll, you'll carve on a tree, always and forever. True love always. Right? There's this thing inside of human beings that's hardwired into us for commitment. 
When we experience love or deep friendship, we want it to last and we want nothing to get in the way of that. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to send you one who's going to come right alongside you, not just be with you, but be in you. And that one that comes alongside you and is with you and is in you is going to be there to encourage you forever and ever and ever and ever. You never have to be afraid that they're going to forsake you or leave you or break their promise and be gone. And I don't know about you, but in our time and in our world, that's big. Commitment is lacking. We live in a culture and a society of covenant breaking. Breaking promises, breaking covenants, breaking relationships is normal. It's what we do. And yet he's saying, I'm going to send one to be in you and with you who will be true to you forever. And then I want you to notice how he identifies this comforter, this helper, He calls him the spirit of truth. Isn't that interesting when Jesus is giving uh, an identity to the Holy Spirit, he calls him the spirit of truth. Why is that important? Well, he's saying you're going to have a friend, you're going to have a counselor, an advocate, a helper, and he can be counted on to be true and to lead you into truth. Why is that important? Every relationship is built upon the integrity of those in the relationship. Trust is central. If you're walking in a relationship with somebody, you have to know that they are true. They're truth tellers. And you know what happens when the relationship begins to be severed by broken trust, when lies happen, the the fabric of the relationship starts to fray. And, And it takes truth to restore it. It takes truth to bring back the commitment. And so the Spirit is true. He leads us always toward the truth. He won't deceive us. He won't bait and switch on us. He won't lead us into error or heresy or false teaching. He won't lead us toward sin and evil. And this is really important. I remember years ago, there was a woman in our church, and she was going through a difficult time in her marriage. And I I remember I was talking with her, and her, her husband had not abused her. Her husband had not gone out on her. Her husband had not done anything physically to, to her, but they were having deep conflict. And she sat in front of me one day and she told me, the Holy Spirit told me to divorce my husband. And I had to look her right in the eyes and I had to say, the Holy Spirit did not tell you to divorce your husband. That was a different spirit or your own soul. That wasn't God. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will always agree with the truth of Scripture. The Spirit will never, 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 can you say never? Never tell you to do something that is contrary to the truth of Scripture. The Spirit and the Word always agree. They are married, okay? They do not separate from one another. And then Jesus goes on to say that this Spirit of truth, this counselor, this one who comes alongside to to help us and encourage us, cannot be received by the world. What's that mean? The world cannot receive him. Now, when we speak of the world in the Bible, we're talking about all the systems that exist out there in both individual and corporate humanity that are opposed to God. The system of our world that is not in harmony with God, but is actually in direct rebellion to him, cannot receive him. He is not a close 
companion and friend of this present world system like he is to those who trust in Jesus. And that's really important because in our current world, there's a whole lot of information coming our way. Amen? And you have to be really careful what truth you take in. We live in an age with 24-7, 365, and on leap years, 366 news coverage. We live in the time of instantaneous information. We live in the time of the internet and social media and Twitter, right? And Facebook and every other social media platform continually cramming information down our, our minds into our, into our heads and filling us with mostly hopelessness. Because only bad news sells. Only bad news drives up ratings. And if you listen to the voice of this age and the information of this age, you'll become very discouraged. You'll conclude ultimately the world is only evil. But if you have the spirit of truth in you, you will begin to hear a different report. You'll begin to hear a report of a kingdom that's been planted in the earth and is growing and is spreading to the ends of the earth and is converting people and healing people and restoring people and redeeming people and liberating the addict and helping the poor and the needy and going out there to the very ends of the earth to the most forgotten and the most rejected and the most marginalized and bringing God's love and kingdom to them. That's another story that's going on. And the spirit of truth will be out there doing that and the world will never take notice of it. You won't hear it reported on the news agencies. You won't hear the story of God being told loudly and clearly out there. The spirit of the world can't receive what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's a good place for an amen. Thank you for the one person who gave me an amen. I appreciate that. And, and he says here, the world neither sees him, the word sees means cannot observe or take notice of his works, his words, his movements. The world doesn't see him and the world does not know him. The world's not aware, that's what that word know, it's not aware of, cannot recognize or notice what the Holy Spirit is doing, though there is evidence everywhere. You see, there's people in this room and you have a story of redemption. In fact, every one of you that know Jesus have a story of redemption, and some of you have, you know, these incredible, I mean, I've sat with some of you and heard your story and, and I've cried as I've listened to how God has liberated you. In some of your cases, God liberated you from a religious upbringing that bound you up in forms of legalism and death and didn't leave you to, lead you to life. And those things were over your, even though you were raised in the church, you were raised as a Christian, they crushed you and they crushed your soul. And the gospel came to you and the liberating power of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection came to you and you came alive in God for the first time. And that's a beautiful story. And then there's some of you, you came out of addictions, you came out of rejections, you came out of shattered and broken homes and sexual abuse and all kinds of different things. You're still in progress, but you're a beautiful story of redemption. But I want to tell you what, CNN doesn't care about your story and neither does Fox News. None of them care about your story. It doesn't drive their ratings, but your story is the important story. Your story is the sto are the stories being told in heaven. You're singing the song of the redeemed. That's the story that we're going to hear about for eternity. When the screens come down and it all comes up, we're going to see your story, not some story over there that is driving ratings up. Amen. The world doesn't see him. The world doesn't know him. And then Jesus says this, but you know him. I love that. But you know him. Those who are the children of God will recognize, perceive, and be aware of the presence, power, ministry, and person of the Holy Spirit. 
we can know Him intimately and be aware of His constant activity. Now, here's, here's the deal. A lot of you in this room are already regularly experiencing the activity of the Holy Spirit. You just haven't learned to recognize that it's Him. You, you don't realize, oh, God's, you don't, you, you don't realize the Lord's talking to you. He's guiding you. He's moving you through life. He's bringing you into relationships. He's stopping th- some things from happening. How many of you have ever looked back on different seasons of your life and been able to look back in 2020 hindsight and see where God directed you to this relationship or to this place or to that circumstance or preserved you and stopped you from making the biggest mistake of your life? Right? See, you know Him. And he, I love what Jesus goes on to say. He dwells with you and He will be in you. Now, being in us, that's, that's profound. This part of the promise is even better than being with us. He's not only beside us encouraging us, but He's within us. And His hand is on the rudder of our life. He's within us to conform us to the image of Jesus. Listen, you might be here and you might be really discouraged with yourself. And I've been there. Anybody ever been there? You're like, man, I'm a mess. Come on, let's be honest. Any of you, yeah? You're just like, I am a mess. And you're trying to make progress in God and do the right thing and live holy and, and, and please God. And you just find you're falling all the time and you're messing up all the time and you're a wreck. And, and sometimes you despair of your spiritual progress, don't you? Sometimes you go, is it ever going to change? But here's the thing I want you to know. You have an advocate within. You have a helper inside. And he is not done with you until you look like Jesus. And he isn't going to give up. Listen, he never gives up. He never gives up. Did you hear me? He never gives up. Don't you give up on yourself. He won't give up on you. He's within you, conforming you to the image of his son. And he's, he's not one you just, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't one that you just kind of, you know, you can't make him do what you want him to do. You can't seize him and make him submit to what you want. But if you let him, he'll have his way with you. I love this story by Ben Patterson. He says, uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne described happiness as a butterfly, which when you pursue it, it's always just beyond your grasp. Have you ever known if you tried to catch a butterfly most of the time, it's like, <laughs> right? right? You can't get it, right? But, but if you sit down quietly, it's very possible that butterfly might just fly right over and land on your shoulder. And that's often the way it is with the Holy Spirit's work in our life. He's not seized, but He's received. And He's received when, you, when you're yielding to Him, right? You're recognizing, oh yeah, He's God, I'm not, right? And that takes me to our second point. The Holy Spirit is your guide into God's will. John 16, 13 says this. The whole reference through 15 will be up here, but we're only going to read verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, remember He's called the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all the truth. Very important. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth. Now, here's my starting point with truth. 
First of all, there is such a thing as truth. And that's very important. We live in an age that denies that reality. We live in a time of the postmodern mindset which teaches that truth is relative, that everybody's truth is equal. That, that might be right for you, but it's not for me. There's this idea out there that all of us have equal truth and they're all just competing truths, but that's not true. <laughs> that is a falsity. There is truth, and that truth is in a person, and that person's name is Jesus. Truth is a person. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, Truth personified is Jesus the Christ. Are you following me? And everything we see in Jesus is true about the Father. And everything we see in Jesus is true about the Holy Spirit. So truth is in Jesus, and truth is comprehensive. What does that mean? Truth covers every arena of life. It covers thought life, emotional life, right, physical life, truth affects everything. It, it affects our political views, our, our view of money, our view of sexuality. Truth is through it all. And there's truth that is right doctrine, right teaching. There's truth that is right behavior, right character, and right pack practice. And the model for all truth is Jesus. He's the model. So he's the one we check for what truth is. Are you following me in this? Am I getting too philosophical? Okay. So He will guide us. The Holy Spirit will guide us, and it will be a process. Truth will be something in your life that, you know, there, there will be times that you walk in darkness and error about a specific area, but the Holy Spirit will always be leading you in the process toward truth. And one of the ways you'll know that you're not being led by the Holy Spirit is if you're being led away from truth, and truth is in Jesus, and we see Jesus in the Scripture. So if you're being led away from truth of Scripture, you're being led away from the truth of Jesus, okay? And let me just um, address that for a minute. It's really important. A lot of people today will say, I love Jesus, but I don't know about the Bible. But Jesus is called the Word made flesh. Okay? He's called the Word made flesh. And the only picture, accurate picture, that we have of Christ, of Jesus, is in Scripture. Old and New Testament. So the only way we can really know what Jesus is like is to see Him within the pages of the book. That's where we'll find Him. You can't just know Jesus by your own ideas of Him. That's impossible. All of us can come up with our own personal kind of customized Jesus that fits our own whims and fantasies and desires then, right? And a lot of people do that. A lot of people have their Jesus, right? I know people that have a Republican Jesus. I know people that have a Democrat Jesus, right? I I know people that they fit Jesus to match their particular viewpoint of life and everything runs through their viewpoint and they call that Jesus. And here's the word, that's not Jesus. Jesus, the real Jesus we're going to see, we see in scripture. Does that make sense? And then I love what what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says he won't speak on his own authority, but he will speak what he hears. So what that means is we can always count on the Holy Spirit to be telling us what the Father wants us to know, and what Jesus wants us to know. He'll never say anything that would contradict the Father or the Son or the Scriptures. 
the Holy Spirit will always lead us into who God is. This is really important. Um, And He will declare things that are to come. Now, I love this. Do you know it's possible that God will show you things in your future? Now, listen, I'm not talking, God's not some, you know, it's not, it's going to be, it's not going to be like you're going to take out, you know, your palm reading kit and, and the Holy Spirit's going to use your palm reading or tarot cards or anything else. What I mean is God will show you glimpses of things to come. He won't give you the whole story. He'll give you outlines. He'll give you glimpses of things to come. And I want to illustrate it with a personal story. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, that's pretty amazing. 30 years ago, I drove to Moses Lake with my wife, and she was pregnant with our first son, Stephen. My dad was here doing some revival meetings, and uh, church hadn't quite started. It was early in May when we came. Actually, it was right about this time in May, 30 years ago, almost exactly. And we arrived in town and brought my dad's car to him and uh, dropped it off, and, and my dad said, will you speak at a youth service? And I spoke at a youth service and we checked Moses Lake out. One of our first experiences, this is funny, this made me really go, what kind of town am I in? We pulled up on the Alder Street Phil coming across, um, going north, and we were going right onto Broadway, and we came up to the light there on Alder and Broadway, and um, there were some dudes in front of us, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just put it this way, they're pretty redneck. Okay, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying that's, you know, they're pretty red. And they were in like a Bronco or a Blazer, and it had the, the fiberglass shell off of it and, it, and it had the roll bar. And, and Peggy and I were sitting in my dad's car, and we were stopped, and um, the dude was standing up in the back holding onto the roll bar, and all of a sudden he went, whoop, and he hung a BA right in front of us. And I remember Peggy and I are like this. And I'm like, what kind of town is this? <laughs> so we drove home and we went on with our life. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. And I remember saying things to my wife like, man, I don't know why my dad would be in Moses Lake, but I'm just glad we don't live up there. I remember saying that. Huh? I would never live in a place like that, huh? And you know what happened? couple months later, our life begins to get stirred up and things start happening job-wise and just all kinds. It seemed like doors were closing and opportunities were coming to an end and we were a little frustrated. I felt a call to ministry and I'd been preparing and, and um, one day I really was praying fervently for direction and it was July of 1988. And I began to write in a notebook what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And um, I think I might read it next week. But I have it right I saved all my notebooks from my early years as a Christian. And I wrote in that notebook what I felt like the Lord said. And it was detailed. And I went back a couple years ago and I read it. And do you know that every single part of what I felt the Holy Spirit said to us about moving to Moses Lake has come to pass? every part of it. And it's pretty detailed. Now, the Holy Spirit within me was preparing me. Now, I I will tell you this, just so we'll be fair here. He showed me some bigger ideas and concepts, but He didn't show me the suffering I would have to endure. Right? In this case, he, He... 
I'm not going to say he was tricking me, but when I look back on it, it kind of feels like he was. Right? He was baiting me a little. No, because he doesn't bait and switch. But you know what I mean. He was setting us up. He'll show us things to come. He'll give you prophetic insight into the future. And I want to illustrate this now, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming in for a landing, as I say often. But I want to show you a story in the book of Acts that illustrates principles of guidance from the Holy Spirit, okay? So if you've got a Bible and you want to look along or it'll be on the screen, it's Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. And there's some beautiful principles in here I want you to notice about the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And here's the background. The Apostle Paul is a missionary, and he is getting ready to go in. He wants to go into Asia, and he's in a part uh, known as Asia Minor. He's right around parts of what we would call, um, excuse me, Turkey today, and a little bit outside of Turkey into Macedonia, places like that. And so this is what happens in verse 6, chapter 16. It says, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been for, notice this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Think about that. And verse 7, and when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Wow. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, and Philippi is the key word here, it's the the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate of the city to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, so they all came to faith, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, here are several principles for guidance in your own life. And I'm, this is where I'm going to end, kind of the practical application. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit will forbid and stop you from going to some people and some places. What? Now, think about this. Jesus had stood on the Mount of Olives and told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The apostle Paul had been converted on the road to Damascus, and Jesus told him, you're going to go into the Gentile world and you're going to preach the gospel. So what's he doing? He's obeying and he's moving forward. He already has the go. He already has the yes I'm with you. So as he's going, moving forward in the known will of God, the Holy Spirit stops him and forbids him. And we're not told what the reasons are. We're not told why. But I know this in God. Timing is everything. Amen? 
Timing is really important. Sometimes in our life, we're moving forward in our goals. We've set our plans. We've set our course. We're kind of you know, going into what we think we need to do. And we get this sense, stop. Don't keep moving. Don't go there. And at that moment, we have a decision to make. You have an internal guide that will direct you on where and, and who to go to. Listen to him. Don't try to force his will. And here's where we get into trouble. Some of us, we're stubborn. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then what happens is we continue to move forward into a place that we felt the Holy Spirit told us not to, and then we get entangled, we get entrapped, and we experience things. And then what do we do? We turn around and blame it on God. And yet the Lord was telling us, don't go there, don't do it. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will close one door to open another. Part of the reason that he stopped him from going to those two places was probably the fact that Philippi was open and receptive to the good news about Jesus. Some people and places are ready for what God is doing right now. You may have family members, you may have friends that are open and others who are not. Don't try to force the issue. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If He closes one door, it may be to open another one elsewhere. Some of you are facing key decisions in your life right now, and it seems like the doors have slammed shut. And you're like, why is God doing this to me? Maybe you need to step back from the door, quit kicking it, quit beating it, quit trying to come up with a manipulative way to get it open, and you just need to step back and start looking around in your life and asking the Holy Spirit, what are you trying to show me here? Some of you may even have family members, and you've been using the Bible to bash them on the head. Stop it. Stop it. If they tell you, I don't want to listen to you, I don't want to hear what you have to say, fine. Back off. Pray for them. Love them. Serve them. Give your life. Let God open the door of their heart. The human heart can be the hardest door in the world to open. Don't try to force it down. People don't need Bible thumpers who try to force their conversion. We know the history of forced conversions. It usually leads to bloodshed. It's terrible. We don't do that to people. People, we, We present the beauty of the good news. And if they say, listen, get out of my face, get out of their face. Right? Back off. Let the Holy Spirit work. And that's exactly what's happening. Paul's moving forward, and God says, nope, I I have something else for you to do. It's not time for that. It reminds me of this story I've told you a number of times. Brian Harris shares it. He says, a young boy went to a local store with his mother. The shopkeeper was a really kind man, a really generous man, and he passed the little boy a large jar of suckers. And he invited the little boy to put his hand into the jar and take a handful of suckers. Uncharacteristically, the boy held back. He didn't want to. So the shop owner went into the jar and pulled out a handful for him and gave it to the boy. When the boy was outside with his mom, his mom asked him why he'd suddenly become so shy and wouldn't take a handful of suckers when they were offered to him. And the boy simply replied, because his hand is much bigger than mine. And that's true with God. A lot of us, we're trying so hard in life to get our little handful, and we don't realize that God has a much bigger hand and a much better plan than we could ever hatch. And if we'll let Him do the choosing, and we'll let Him reach into the candy jar, He can do abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, above and beyond all you can ask, think, or hope. Right? So let God choose. Don't do the choosing for Him. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will guide you to the people you need to connect with to further His purpose. Remember, guidance in your life isn't about you. 
And this is really important. So many of us, we want God to fulfill our dreams. And we don't realize when we become Christians now, when we become followers of Jesus now, the goal of life is that we help God fulfill His dream. God has a dream that the whole world will know about His Son, Jesus. Right? And so what we need to do is say, God, I'm here at your disposal. Guide and lead my life. Use all my gifts, all my talents, all my abilities, my wisdom, my intelligence, any, any talent I have. Use it for your glory and for your honor to make you known. And then we need to trust that the people he guides us to will ultimately be a connection that will bless our life, bless their life, and further God's purpose. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into plans that will lead to redemption and God's glory. Now, here's what's cool. I love the way God did this. Paul is told he can't go here, and so that night, somehow, the Lord visits him, and he has a vision. And in this vision, a man from Macedonia is saying, come over here and help us. And how does that get fulfilled? He goes to Philippi, and on the Sabbath day, they go out to the river because they expected Maybe there'd be something going on. And we learn in history that there was a women's prayer group by the river. Some people praying by the river. And he meets a woman named Lydia. And do you know, as the story goes on, do you know that Lydia became the beginning and the foundation of a new church that was in Philippi? A women's prayer meeting started a new church. But in the vision, Paul saw a man saying, come help us. And how did God fulfill it? Through a women's prayer group on the side of the river. And then later after that, the Philippian jailer gets saved and and all of his family gets saved and a foundation for a new church begins from a women's prayer group that Paul just, you know, he saw a vision, he went out to the river, and then what do you know? God has somebody waiting for him. And he does that in our lives too. He has people waiting for you to meet, waiting for you to connect with, and you don't even realize it, and it's for the furtherance of his purpose. What happened? Philippi got visited by God, got visited by the gospel. And later we see Paul writes a letter to the Philippians. And in that letter to the Philippians, he shows us so many great things about God, and that letter has the word rejoice and joy all the way through it. We see that God fulfills his purposes and his plans when he closes one door and opens another. And some of you are facing closed doors, and I want to tell you, those closed doors may be because God has something for you never considered, and he wants to lead you into those things. Amen? So with that said, why don't you stand with me? I want to ask a question. Who in this room would say, I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this message? Okay? Oh, a lot of you. Good. Okay, so... Here, here's something I want to I challenge you with. If you feel like some doors have closed, be careful that you don't force them open. Right? You know what's interesting? Is a lot of people think that serving God is actually God serving them. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of people see Christianity or God as a means to an end. Knowing God, going to church, reading the Bible is so I can have a good life. But what the gospel actually teaches is that when you become a Christian, you now live that God's plan would be fulfilled. Right? And you exist for His glory. Right? You're His servant and His son or His daughter. You exist for the glory of God. 
not for yourself. So when the Holy Spirit fills you, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life to guide you and to lead you, the purpose of that is that God would be made great and famous in the eyes of people. That's why you live. You don't live for yourself. You live for His glory. Amen? So if you're going to say to God, God, guide my life, understand, in God's heart, the, the request for guidance means that you understand that He's going to guide you into what will bring honor to Him, not to yourself. Now listen, this is important. It will likely be, yes, it will be, ultimately it will be the thing that gives you the greatest fulfillment and joy. Sometimes people think, oh man, if God wants me to, you know, if I do what God wants me to do, He's going to send me someplace I hate and make me do something I can't stand and be around people that I don't want to be around. And I don't know where we got that idea, like God's some kind of killjoy bummer, right? No, actually, if you go into the will of God for your life, it's going to be the greatest adventure, the most fulfilling thing you've ever done in your entire life. And you're going to be like, this is what I was made for. This is what I was created for. Amen. Amen.